Book. On this show, we pick pieces of pop culture that were important to us in a given year. We then discuss memories and dig into those movies, albums, shows, and more. I'm Brad. I'm Pete. And I'm Giff. And we are back for... Is this our... Where are we at here? I don't know. Not our last one. No, no, no. We've I've got lost five track. Mondays, five Mondays in this month, so five we are half, days. we're at the midway point now. We're this on is our the third, third October yes, episode, yes. two more episodes after this after one. After this one, yes. In October. There is an original one next week again. And then, just, just well, a right little in the quick, smack, middle of yearbook. Mm-hmm. All we'll say is at the end of the month, coming out on Halloween Day, Gifford has another awesome game planned that you can yes. play along with. It's going to be just, fantastic. Would you say it's spooktacular? That's how much I believe in you, Gifford. I don't know anything about it, but I know it's going to be fantastic. Well, it's basically the same thing that we did for the Minnesota movies where my my, uh, modified initials game, but it's all about the horror movies uh, movies? throughout the years. Yes, and horror movies. (laughs) Nice. Debbie does Dallas, Caligula. Oh, all right. I've been studying the initials and... So, last week we talked about Coldplay. This week we're talking about Pete's Choice, which is a movie again. Pete, do you want to tell the people what you picked and why? Yeah, you know, I think in the, uh, how long have we been doing this show? Uh, Over a year and a half now. Mm -hmm. Almost two years. I think this actually kind of taps into a new genre that I'm not sure that we actually hit on before on the show. Have we done any action, like just straight oh, up? Oh, yeah, action? we did Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Smith oh, wasn't long I, ago. Yes. No, that was also more comedy. That was comedy. It was a little more yep. comedy. But. However, what I had no idea was this is the same director again, Doug Lyman. Yes. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So there is a definite connection between those two movies. That's correct. So yeah, this so guy this, really had the big time going there for a while. This is probably our first pure action movie, yes. I would say. without any intentional comedy. I right. think so, because we did not do Die Hard over Christmas, did we? We did. No, we will do Die Hard, but we have not yet. Right. right. That was the other one that I thought of, because it's you're always talking all the time about that one, and we may even touch about it, but or touch touch on it this episode, but... Without further ado, I'm just going to say this movie is one that my wife, by the way, action is easily her favorite genre of movie. Um, so we've learned. So, yes. You yes, never shut so. up about it. <laughs> I know, right? Any interaction uh, movies. That's right. I, I prefer the horror movies like my, like we just <laughs> talked about a moment ago. What, what did um, you say there? <laughs> with an um, H. Horror. <laughs> um, with an H in the anyway. other one, too. Oh, that's true. The uh, the all-time favorite movie of that genre is the one that we're going to be talking about tonight. Her favorite um, um, all-time action movie slash uh, franchise is the Bourne Identity franchise. The Bourne, Bourne Identity, Bourne Supremacy, Bourne, what, what are the, Ultimatum? Ultimatum, there's, Legacy, there's the Bourne, and then Legacy there's Jason too. Bourne. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so, um, uh, so this was the year that the original... Born Identity came out. This is the one that kicked off the whole thing. And so it's based on a book. Um, 
And so um, just like talking about the movie, I don't know if we if anybody has any special memories of it. I don't really remember going to see it for the first time, but I will say that just any time that we're looking for a movie, that's one of the first ones that that Jenny wants to pick out. So I've seen it a hundred times, it seems like. But uh, I remember I saw it in the movie theater. That's mm -hmm. it. Okay. yeah. And I, I think I was confused watching it. That that's my other memory. I don't know. You know, I get confused easily by a lot of these action spy movies. It's a it's a lot oh, going yeah. on. It's hard right. to follow sometimes. Well, they all have but... to try to be so smart. Well, there's That's so right. much misdirection right. going on. As soon as you involve the CIA, it's going to be, you know, a web of lies and, you know, yep. all that stuff going on, too. So um, I I don't necessarily remember going to see this in the movie theater but i'm guessing i probably did i've seen this movie so many times i'm a big fan really? of um of matt damon in general but also the born movies are a lot of fun hey um, matt damon <laughs> i so, should also say that i'm pretty sure that's the only time i've seen this movie and i don't think i've seen any of the other ones and Oh, they're, they're good. They have are no good. interest in seeing any yeah. other ones either. Sorry. They are actually really good. And um, yeah. I mean, I like uh, this movie, so I'm not going to yeah. trash it's, it's it. It's got but... an interesting concept. I would That's like what to I speak... said. Yes. Uh, I would like to speak to like a doctor or some medical expert to understand how amnesia works. I'm not right. sure if it works quite exactly in the way that it's depicted in this movie or well, really. You just need to watch soap operas and you'll figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, because those are all based on true medical fact. Or sure. is it uh, out for justice with uh, Steven Seagal? No, that's he's in a coma the whole time. That's uh, that's it's know. not amnesia; it's a coma that he was in. Uh, anyway, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, that but, sounds right. Yeah, I might have yeah. seen that movie at some point. That <laughs> he wakes familiar. up in a hospital bed after being in a coma for seven years and just starts kicking ass right, right away. Yes, <laughs> like, that's right. Yep. I think the only Steven Seagal movie I've seen was Under Siege. And why did you see that movie? And why would you remember seeing that movie? Can you well, think of anything? Well, I know anything? what you're getting at because of the girl <laughs> showing her Ta -ta's upper body. Upper body. But that's not, upper that's body. not why I saw it. <laughs> what Here's is this, the I NHL saw. version of uh, <laughs> 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 gratuitous movie <laughs> nudity? Upper body, lower you body. Know, like what I just remembered, I think when I watched that movie was when I visited you and Morris for college. Oh, probably. I think you, we watched it there. Okay. And the only reason I watched it is because I did hear it was actually pretty good compared to the others. And it was compared to Die Hard. So I'm like, okay, well, if it's like Die Hard, I guess we'll try it out. Ooh, yeah, that's a reach. Well, Die Hard okay. on a boat. That's what. That's the. De yeah. That's the line. Die but that's hard. every action movie. It's Die Hard on a. Not everyone. You know, the Born Identity tried... isn't Die Hard on anything. Oh, no, but die when hard. Die Hard came out, that's what they tried to make it. Die it Hard die... with amnesia. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a show. That's a show. Green that's Light. A show. That's a movie. <laughs> Erica Eleniac well, the... is who you're talking about. Yes, Erica Eleniac. Um, and that's that's kind of the f one of the fun parts of this movie is that it's action with the mystery, you know, because yeah. he's trying to, you know, Even figure out what's going on. You know? Right. Yeah. That's yeah, I mean, he figures out it. a lot of things pretty quickly, though, like more mm -hmm. quickly than I would if I was in that situation. Sure. <laughs> I'd be like, I still don't get it. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, so should we just dive right into the movie? Or do you guys have anything else to add? Well, I wanted to just mention, like Brad said, um, 
Um, Doug Lyman is the uh, director, and he did Swingers. Yes, of course. And That's Go. why we know him, love him, and yep. Go. And Edge of Tomorrow, which I oh yeah, very, I, when I was looking him up, I, I hadn't realized he did that too, which is a really awesome movie. Yep, and he's in line to do the new Roadhouse movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh boy. <laughs> So um, that that was one of the things. And the only other thing I, I wanted to hit on was uh, the other actors that um, were up for the role of Jason Bourne. Oh, and I've got Brad Pitt, Russell Crowe, Arnold, Tom Cruise, mm. and uh, Sly Stallone were the ones that I found. Mm, I don't see who's who of action movie stars. Right. Yep. Yeah, I don't see Arnold or Sylvester Stallone in this one, even back then, no. and it's 20 years old, but it seems like that they would have been a little old for the role. Well, yeah, you, you associate um, with a younger actor now because it was Matt Damon. They, and maybe it would have been a whole different movie. Maybe it would have been better. I don't think so, though, because uh, I, the think only, Matt, I think Matt Damon is a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. And the only two notes I had down before here is that this movie was only five years after Goodwill Hunting, and it just yep. it feels like this movie isn't that old. Like I feel like when I think yeah. of this movie, I don't think of two thousand two. I think of there being this big gap where Matt Damon became this big star, and then it was later, like five, six years later. But mm-hmm. that's not true. And I also think he's thirty two years old, and he just looks very young for thirty two years old. So you do think of a young person. Yep. When you watch yeah. this. And Arnold it's, and Stallone, they would not be young at all. They would have been kind of past their prime of kicking ass. And and so I think that uh, uh, Matt Damon, 32, is probably like right in your prime physically. The and kicking so ass prime. It seems like that that's the point where he would have had a good amount of experience combined with the, uh, you know, the physical attributes that you need to have for this role. So, right. Because um, the and experience, it, even though he forgets who he is he remembers that's one of the weird things he remembers how to do a lot of this stuff and he's got you know mm-hmm. it's very selective amnesia it's Correct. very selective amnesia yes <laughs> well Maybe that's and, how it works i don't know and for me this was you know another one in the line of him being portraying like a golden boy type character i mean the first one you got goodwill hunting yeah you know he's the bad boy with the you know, un- unbelievable brain and, you know, what would you call it? Identic memory and ability to, you know, think like he does. The Rainmaker, you know, he's a young lawyer coming in to, you know, take on the big guys. Rounders even, you know, he's yeah, a was gonna say law wrong. student trying, you know, trying to be a law student, but he's a poker genius. And this is kind of in that same line where, you know, you come to find out his previous self you know as an assassin is a horrible person but now he wakes up and he's just a good guy but he's got this secret and he can just kick ass and take names um it just seems like he has that line of um roles where he's kind of a golden boy character and this is just another one of those in the wasn't line. he um... is he a bad person or is he just a good assassin well you're kind of <laughs> looking at i mean because well, that's fair. We'll get, we'll get to it because uh, the whole thing. Wasn't he like a serial killer in The Talented Mr. Ripley? Yes, and that was after yeah. this and I think before. No, Rounders. it's from 99. Oh, was it? That was one of the first big movies he did after. That's true. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was after this. But, um, yeah, he's kind of known as the Golden Boy type role is what I was saying. Well, I was. I just shot a hole in your boat with that one. That's all right. That's all right. 
as long as you don't shoot a hole in my back and throw me in the ocean, I'll be okay. Two bu- two bullets. Good segue. <laughs> oh, good question. Here, I have a question about that. Okay. So he got shot in the back, but the bullets are barely in him. Yeah. <laughs> How, is it, are we supposed to believe like that whatever he was wearing was that thick or how, how does that yeah. work? Well, here's where right off the back my question. Yep. Here's where, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. What kind of gun were they using? What was the distance that he was shot at from? Oh, um, but I would have thought. We have ballistics expert were, Brian Peterson <laughs> on the show tonight. Yeah. We could go into that down, uh, you know, I could go deeper, but I would think that there's a lot of factors that play into it. Maybe he was wearing some kind of, like you said, some kind of bulletproof. I guess well, he was just wearing asked, his wet suit. Maybe you had the answer, but it sounds like you're just guessing. So, well, my yeah. answers make sense, though. Yeah. It's going to fit. It depends on the gun. It depends on the distance. It depends, but the distance couldn't have been very far because they shot him while relatively he was on close the boat, as he was heading right? off the boat. Right? Yeah. As you, you know. come to find out. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely a mysterious beginning. You know, he's there's this body laying in the water and this fishing boat comes upon him and it's got a little beacon a flasher on it yep. and so these fishermen it's it's a sto- dark and stormy night in the mediterranean sea <laughs> and uh these fishermen um are able to see something floating in the water as we just said and it's got a flashing light they recognize that it's a person and so they're not sure if he's alive or dead but they get him on board and they rescue him. They start uh, working on him, find out that he is alive. And there's one guy on there that seems like um, like he's a bit more of an, a medical expert because he's able to at least remove the bullets. And uh, and uh, not only do they remove the two bullets, mm-hmm. he also removes a uh, mysterious some sort of tracking device or microchip kind of thing. And uh, pulls it out, and it's kind of like a laser. And, um, and when he shines it on the wall, it's um, a bank it's a account. Code bank account number. For, yep. Yeah, it's a bank account number for a Swiss um, a Swiss bank. Right. So well, and the guy the, on the the guy in the boat is your you know prototypical cook slash surgeon of the fishing boat. Well, yes. you know they got to know how to clean a fish, so it's like That's I'm sure true. it's the same concept. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> So who knows? Maybe he was just maybe he was just the most experienced guy. He was the older guy in the boat and probably was just had seen something like this before. I don't know. So then they um, they get him back while he's on the boat. They kind of get him back to, um, you know, he gets his rest and uh, comes to regains his consciousness. However, he cannot remember who he is or why he was out there. Anything like that. Um, so, so that's, what's kind of setting up the plot of the movie. It's like, who is this guy? And he does, he doesn't even know his own name and, uh, and whatnot. So while this is going on, um, and Gifford, you're just as much of a movie expert, an expert on this movie or Brad, if you want to chime in on anything, I skip over, but, uh, uh, we cut back to the CIA mm-hmm. we cut over to the CIA. And so, uh, they start explaining, um, you know, that uh, there was a mission that had failed and that somehow they lost a man. So it's obviously they're talking about this guy that yep. um, we're talking about. They're all kind of assuming that there, there's an assumption that he's dead within the CIA. But at the same time, you know, he's a high value assassin. So they need to, like, make absolutely certain. And if this mission failed, 
um, as I understood it, it was making this director guy. Was it what was the director guy's the boss kind of guy? Well, he had name? Chris Cooper's is Conklin. Yeah, and he's he's the guy in charge of the the Treadstone. Yes, mission like uh, department, I guess, of these assassins. And then right. you got Brian Cox, who is um, who is in a, uh, I think he's a deputy director of the CIA, who's kind of his boss. It's but he's even in the dark over what Conklin's got going on here. Chris, did you ask who he was? Because my biggest criticism of this movie is like nobody. There's no character developed. Like I'm watching this movie, and I never knew who any of these people really were. <laughs> who they worked that's, for that's or anything it's like who is chris cooper i don't know and and watch it with my wife and she was the same way like we we didn't well, know who anybody was or what their motive was to... or who they were working for and it was well just... right off the bat if as soon as you see langley on on your tv screen that's cia you know I mean, that's, that's cia that's cia headquarters is langley virginia so as soon as you see langley it's okay we're dealing with the cia so yeah, yeah. Okay, but I do agree with you. I do. Ag- <laughs> oh, you don't. But I do agree with Brad. No, I know that. that but that maybe I was that, typing when that came on the screen. Doesn't really matter. I just sure. it doesn't change that I didn't feel like any of these characters were developed to a point where I like knew who they were or what the hell they were doing. Right, because you see um, the the deputy director for the CIA in like a staff meeting, and like was that the president's chief of staff running that meeting and who are all the people in the meeting and they kind of ask about this mission and he's in the you know he acts like he's in the dark about it he doesn't know what's going on but of course he goes right to conklin who's in charge of this treadstone program that runs these assassins and right off the bat again it's the whole conklin doesn't want to give away too much information to his own boss um, regarding what's going on with this with this program. So I'll just finish this right now because then I don't have to say that anymore. But it's like Clive Owen and Julia Stiles were in this movie and they were like pretty big at this time. But like I forgot they were in it. Like they barely speak. There are two more characters are like, shouldn't they have? I, that was what my question throughout the whole movie was like, who is anybody in this movie? Right. And and why don't they have more to say? It was like that ties into the Julia Stiles cell was just right. there was nothing there at but all. But you'll see Julia Stiles character in the next at least three movies, isn't she in the original trilogy? Yes. She's she remains. I guess I don't remember if she remains in the Jason Bourne and the and the uh Bourne legacy movie, but yeah, she's a she's a bigger role in the Anyway, that was my biggest issue with the movie. That was, but it was entertaining and fun, but that was my Mm -hmm. biggest issue that I continually had. Sure, and my wife also on that. She has a role in the. uh, If you go to Universal Orlando and go on the Born, uh, whatever the Born, the stunt show, whatever the the Born Experience or something like that. I've been Um, to Universal twice in the last five years, and I never saw a Born anything there. Well, maybe it's new. It was there last year when we went, and it's a, it's a show, and you go in, and it's a pretty amazing stunt show, um, mm-hmm. and it's an indoor thing, and then they have like this big screen and everything. But uh, Julia Stiles has an appearance in that because she's like in your big waiting room. That's how they do all these rides and everything. You have to be in this one big room 
for oh, like yeah. 10 minutes or whatever. And then they um, and then they get you into the theater part. Um, but like she does part of the introduction, like you are a super spy, whatever her whole mm-hmm. lecture is. It's more to it than that. But <laughs> <laughs> that's not the whole spiel. That's not the whole. No, spiel. That's what all those rides and things are now. Bring somebody out to sit and talk to you like you're like you're part of it. That's right. Well, and I think okay. that lean that that leads into the whole slick, fast paced, you know, feel of this movie is like like Brad says, you don't really get much background on a lot of these characters. It's just just roll with it. Hang on for dear life. Try to keep up with who's coming in and who's going. And, and you start uh, you start to get a feel for the plot, though, in the sense mm-hmm. that um, they're, you know, that um, born must be part of the CIA or some organization that's within the CIA, a, su- a subdivision of the yep. CIA, and that they are looking for him and a little bit what he does. And they need to find him um, because although and they, they want him dead, right? I mean, that's that's well, the thing. Is They that, want him to check in, but at the most, at, at the very least, you got to clean up this mess because the target of this assassination attempt that goes wrong is on an exiled ex African dictator. Yes. And yes. so it, it's, it's, uh, it's below, it's a black op, you know, it's not sanctioned officially by the U S government to kill this ex dictator. And, you know, now that that is out, you know, cause obviously the dictator is going to, you know, talk about it, you know, the assassination attempt while it comes right back on the U.S. and they need to clean up the whole mess. So Gift, right. did you recognize Wambosi? Uh, he was from Lost, right? Yeah, Mr. Echo. Echo, that's what it is. I thought I had seen him before. I, I, I It's not from Lost because I'm, I never really watched that show, but um, he looked familiar like I had seen him before. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He reminded me um, of somebody else. So I didn't know who that was, but... Sure. So we establish that little CIA plot there, and then uh, we go back to Bourne himself after he is then let back, let off the boat. Once they get to land, he uh, they he gets off the boat and is into the city. And what city? What city are we in right now at this point? Well, right We're, away he travels. You don't know what city he gets off the boat on, but he travels okay. by train to Zurich. He gets to, to Zurich to because the that's bank. Where, that's the yeah. only lead that he has, which is the bank right. account number. Um, so you know, you know what I kept thinking of at, a, in this in this Swiss bank account, uh-huh. Gringotts. <laughs> the what? The Harry Potter fans will recognize Gringotts, oh, the bank Gringotts. there. Where Another Harry good Potter. ride at Universal. Yes, yes, same trip. I went on that. Um, but he goes to this Swiss bank, and it's kind of similar to, to Gringotts, where he gets he has to go through all these uh, biometric whatever security things and he gets mm-hmm. taken to his um uh safety deposit extremely secure safety yep. deposit box and um he's let off and he starts to discover just like in harry potter he starts to discover a little bit more about who he is um because that happens in harry potter as well but <clears throat> um but he starts taking out um there is um a whole bunch of passports and ids with uh, the most common one, but they do have some different names on them. But the most common one is Jason Bourne, which is how he kind of figures out that that must be his name. Uh, but then there's all sort, all kinds of money in there, international currency, um, and there's a gun, which uh, when he's all done, stupidly, what's the one thing he leaves behind? 
is the gun. It's the gun. Yes. Yep. Now, I'm I'm, you know, I'm not a pro Second Amendment guy by any means. But if I was in that situation, I think that I would have taken the gun in that. It, it, sure. <laughs> it seems like it might come in handy. Based if on you wake up. On. Yes. If you wake up with uh, gunshot wounds. <laughs> yes. You know, maybe somebody's after you. You might want to be able to defend yourself. Right. So. Right. So he uh, he does take. He does take as much money as he can. He does take some of the fake passports. I think he takes just about everything. He takes everything but, but the gun, except yeah, all the, the gun. money. Yeah, all the money, all the all the IDs, um, everything that's in that safety deposit box, with the exception of the gun. That did jump out to me. It's like, why wouldn't he just take the gun? Right. I, I mean, just yeah. because he thinks he knows karate and is able to kick everybody's ass, kind of does. Yeah, but. Right. You know, there's you know that there's going to be a time where he's going to need a gun. Correct. Um, and and he, um, of course, it was the night before he goes to the bank, isn't it, where um, he's sleeping in the park and he suddenly realizes. Oh, he yes. Knows how to, he knows how to speak German because these police yeah. officers come up to clear him out of the park that he's sleeping in. He suddenly realizes he understands and speaks German and also understands how to defend himself and kick the crap out of two men with uh, very, very uh, little effort. Right. Know. Yeah. He just basically, it's the two cops. He kicks their ass and yep. knocks them both out pretty much and is just able to, to get away from that situation. Right. It leaves uh, the gun again in that situation as well. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Huh. He's against guns. He is. That's, that's, that, yeah. that's good. Done. Pretty amazing. Um, he could be a Duke boy. If if Jason Bourne doesn't need a gun, then does does the private citizen, does every private Correct. citizen need an AR? Uh, that's going to go. Uh, I, I don't want to get too controversial in yeah. this episode. <laughs> Please don't. If, if okay. you can defend yourself in hand-to-hand combat like Jason Bourne does, you probably don't That's probably true. But yes. if you have as many people coming after you as he does, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Anyway... Um, so then he starts to realize and become suspicious, and this is partly because of his observational skills that he picked up in the CIA, which we come to find out a little bit more about later. Uh, but he starts to realize that there are people following him and watching him uh, wherever he goes. And so now all of the stuff from the safety deposit box, he put in a very distinct red backpack that um, um, uh, makes it very easy to see that that's an important bag. And uh, the red you know, backpack I wrote down is a very quite a prop. It's almost like a yep. character unto itself. Very Correct. good. Very well done. It really. I was. like to think. I like to think that it um, it inhabited his soul. Is is the way is where I'm going. No. Well, that might be a little far, but it had a <laughs> it had a shitload of money in it and uh, and passports. Yeah. <laughs> So the he, he sees was society. Correct. Yes. <laughs> the dog. Um, so he sees all these people following him. The police are, are closing in on him. So he quickly dug ducks into a U.S. consulate so that the police can't nab him. Correct. And then he, he's right. trying to figure out his next move while in there. And of course, that doesn't go well for him because he's immediately recognized. And a guy comes out to get him. And, of course, that's when he, you know, takes off within the consulate, you know, kicks the crap out of some guards and uh, is running around the consulate trying to 
trying to escape. Importantly, before the chase really happens, though, right? He start he oh, sees yes. these this woman that's uh, that's in an argument because they're not going to let her onto the train uh, because I guess it's because she didn't have the proper credentials and whatnot, right? And so was that it? And so she could not. Board. Well, it wasn't that it didn't have anything to do with the train. I think it just had to do with her visa status. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that's why they wouldn't let her pass, though. Uh, they yeah. wouldn't let her into the country or out of the country. That might have um, been, yeah. So, <clears throat> um, but of course, she becomes an important character as the movie progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is, uh, we go back to this big chase scene, um, and eventually he kind of goes to the top floor of the building and gets outside onto a fire escape, very high fire escape. I don't know what the purpose of this particular fire escape is because there's really there's no way to get <laughs> there's really no it. safe way to get down. So he's just trapped on what is essentially just this balcony mm-hmm. um, that's on this wall with no other windows or anything like yep. that. It's just like a straight wall um, straight down and it's snowing and everything kind of adds to it. The fact that it is snowing, uh, but then they kind of don't find him and they, I don't know. They kind of ran the other way or they just kind of gave up looking for him, at least in that location. Uh, But then now he's on this treacherous in this treacherous situation because he cannot go into the building. They're going to catch him. So he has to somehow get down. Right. Which is no problem. Well, during a during a part of this, he drops the uh, famous red backpack. So now he absolutely has no other choice because he has to get that red backpack. And so. Yeah, then he has no major issues. It went better for him than it would for me in that in that situation. Correct. I care. How did he get down? Because I remember the scene, and I remember like there's no way he can do anything here. He turned it into w- Spider Man. Basically, basically, yes. Just crawls down across, around the side and down the the corner, and you know, just basically just. There was a ledge that was about two inches thick yep. that I think that he uh, was yeah. able to get his feet on, That's and then he, he got, got down. Right. And then you don't really see the whole ordeal. He just like all of a sudden they cut away, oh. and now he's jumping down the last eight feet or whatever. Right, and then he right just next to his backpack. backpack. Yep, like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And of course now he uh, is is walking away from this consulate, and he runs into this woman that he saw um, having visa issues, and right. offers her. Um, $10,000 to drive him to Paris because in his a passport that he found at the safe deposit box, it says that his it gives his address as an apartment in Paris. So that's his next move is to go to his apartment in Paris and figure out what he can from there. So she agrees to drive him to Paris for $10,000. agrees. Yep. And then he'll give her another $10,000. At the starting line. Yes. <laughs> um. So basically $20,000 to drive him from Zurich to Paris. Um, and that's kind of where they go from there. They have a bit of a road trip. Um, That'd be fun. Yeah. She gets to know him a little bit. Um, she, uh, he gets to know her a little bit. Um, well, he's and- he's very shy. I mean, he doesn't want to talk about any of this for good reason. Right. He doesn't know who he can trust. And this is all like top secret uh, classified info that he does know, but then he just eventually, you know, she's talking and talking and he's saying nothing. Uh, but then he just sort of says, fuck it. And so he's like, here's my situation. And he told her the truth, everything that he knows. 
mm-hmm. um, which was interesting that he that he did that. He trusted her enough, but he had to trust somebody. Um, and she was the only one that um, he could trust because um, she he knew that she wasn't somebody that was chasing him. And the way that they met and the way that the situation right. that she was in, it's not like she was part of some other government agency or something trying to track him down. So he decided he right. could trust her. So Well, and when they get to Paris... Um, and they drive up to his um, apartment building. You know, they're at this point. It's it looks like they're going to part ways. And she says something about, you know, well, I hope you don't forget me. And of course, his line is, "How could I forget you? You're the only person that I know." You know, because yeah, yeah, know, still with the amnesia. I, I had that line written down. I thought that mm-hmm. was a, a memorable line. Yeah, very flattering. Yes. <laughs> So they head up to his apartment, um, and while in the apartment, you know, he's kind of checking everything out, um, seeing where he lives, and she comes up with him to kind of freshen up. Um, and I think at that point they were thinking, well, then they'll she'll take off or whatever from there. But um, there's an excellent action scene in the apartment. I don't know if you wanted to get into that. We can. We absolutely have to get into into okay. that. Uh, well, first, I think before before the action scene, um, he's uh, making some some phone calls again, trying to figure out who he is. Because one of the other names that he found, one of the other aliases for himself, was John Michael Kane. Yes. And so he calls. Uh, I, I don't know how he got Michael the Kane. Well, it's just bas- he basically dialed the last number on his office phone. Okay. Okay. And that's that was where he it. started from. Yep. And he said he was looking for John Michael Kane, and they said, oh, I'm sorry to inform you uh, that your friend died like two weeks ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, so basically it was a hotel that, that was uh, connected to that number, and that's where he had stayed before getting onto this ship for the assassination attempt, basically. Right, right. Yep. And so uh, so now he's, beca- now he's on edge because mm-hmm. he knows he's – He's being followed. Somehow he puts it together that he um, that he is being followed based on the fact that John Michael Caine is dead. So somebody's going to want to make him dead, too. I think that's how he uh, that's how he kind of put it together. And then it was um, sort of just, you know, walking around the apartment. But he's obviously suspicious. The girl is um, trying to take a shower, mm-hmm. but she's getting no hot water. And so that's she doesn't know any of this is going on. Correct. So he just like tries to keep her at bay. And uh, then all of a sudden, some guy just smashes through the window. Correct. It's like, I'm, is that is that the right technique? Is that proper <laughs> tactics on how you would how you would go after a super assassin like this? just repel through a, a window? And uh, well, that's kind of like the it. guys at the end of Christmas vacation. The end of Christmas too. vacation. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Power pour right in there. You know? Here comes Santa Claus. Yeah. So what we oh, see. Oh, that would have been great if they played that <clears throat> right? during the scene. So what we saw a little bit earlier in the film is the people at the CIA running the Treadstone um, operation. They <clears throat> um, sent out messages to other um assassins basically you what i always thought was these are basically um other jason Bourne type assets that they have they're just other assassins that are out in the field sleeper agents and this was a guy who was sent by the cia by treadstone to to kill Bourne, and he intercepted him at the apartment so we have this awesome hand-to-hand 
fight scene. Um, Again, and what if he, if he had kept that gun, the scene could have been a whole lot shorter. Over, would have been over pretty quick. Um, but one, this is the first time you see um, the use of common everyday items as weapons that Bourne uses. Um, in this one in particular, I think he uses just a ballpoint pen, right? Just a plastic pen as a weapon. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And like in one of the other ones, I think he just uses a book as a weapon. You know, it's just whatever he is at hand is suddenly becomes lethal um, in his hand, which is which is cool. And the fight scenes are all, you know, close combat, hand to hand, you know, rather intense and, you know, brutal. But, you know, they look real and they're, you know, I think they're cool. I really enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. what I took from this was the guy who came to kill him almost seemed robotic. Yes. Like one time he like gets knocked down to the floor and he just like, it's like he just raises up from the floor. Yeah, straight I wrote up. down that he was cartoonish, how yeah. he could just keep popping up. But then at the end, it's like a cartoon too. Where he, right. he just jumps right. out the window. Or he, died, the he died the same death as Wile E. Coyote. That's a really, <laughs> really like good right. comparison. Well, yeah, he basically knows that he's going to lose the fight, so he just awkwardly jumps out through a broken window over a ledge and falls to his death. You know, like (laughs) he he wasn't interested in trying to save himself. It's like, oh, I guess I'm going to lose. I guess I'll make sure to kill myself so this guy doesn't get any information from me. But still a cool fight scene. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was. And and the the suspense of the whole scene, you know, kind of the way they kind of built up to it was uh, mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Right. Um, so now uh, now we've got like a crazy police chase in the city because uh, this um, uh, kind of chaos uh, started, you know, it drew attention. And so now Bourne and the girl, what's the girl's name, by the way? Maria. Marie? Maria. Maria. Marie. OK. Yeah, Marie. So they got to get out of the city. Um, so because it, that drew a whole bunch of attention when that happened. And so there's a there's this crazy police chase um, and there's a motorcycle. All these cops are chasing him. And then there's this one motorcycle cop in particular, which uh, the, this is the part that I had written down because the motorcycle cop had like a two foot following distance on, on the car. <laughs> They're driving a car. It's like if he had just slammed on the brakes, that would have yep. taken him out right there. But he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Did this chase with this little car remind you of the Italian job? I it's thought exactly that too. the same yes. thing. Well, oh, it's a mini. Great. It's a mini that that Marie has, and of course, the Italian job came out a year later. Yep. And it was all the new minis, and in that in that movie, and which was well, awesome. So this again. was a Mini Cooper. Yeah, it's a I, Mini. Oh, well, I, yep. I just thought it was a small car. I didn't notice. No, when he's in during the chase scene, you can see him while he's driving and on the steering wheel in the middle of the steering wheel, like where the horn is. Mm. It says Mini right on it. That's that's a Mini Cooper. Also, uh, did you notice that the cop cars in Paris here only had one windshield wiper right in the middle of the windshield? Oh yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was very interesting. Yep. Well, in this thing, I've never scene, seen before. This chase okay. scene is kind of considered one of the better car chase scenes in action movies of you know recent years at least um i remember when this movie came out it was it was a big deal people talked about yeah it was Um, a good scene well and the other thing one of the things i read about it was that if 
you're familiar with Paris, none of the chase scene would make sense to you because through the cuts of the chase scene, like they go from spot to spot to spot, and I guess they're not close to each other. Oh, you know, like where they go down the where they go down the steps in the one scene, and then they cut to another spot going. You know who so, wouldn't like that? Dave. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> you don't go through Brainerd on the way from Fargo to Minneapolis. Right. But <laughs> awesome, awesome chase scene. And I love I love how it ends where he just like cuts across traffic right down into a into a parking garage, stops, and then they just there's just this moment of pause where they just both kind of sit there, look straight ahead, kind of look at each other, and like after this huge, you know, it's just kind of a, a way to, you know, calm themselves after this unbelievable chase scene. So I I thought it was awesome. It, it was it was really good. Of course, so, after a after a day like that, you're gonna go to a hotel and then what are you gonna do? Um, you're gonna cut and color your hair and then maybe get it on. So <laughs> exactly. He, he's cutting her hair and I'm sitting there with my wife and she oh. goes I got a thing or two to say about this part. I had a thing or two to say about this. Because he's, he's just chopping it in big chunks. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then it looks looks great. When she and then it looks it. great. It's like all like feathered and yeah. whatever. It's just perfect. She, uh, she did not find that believable or the right way to do it. Right. Yes, I could see Kim having a real issue with that scene. <laughs> she so, also predicted they were going to have sex there. And I didn't think they were because I thought... It just didn't seem like it fit the movie. I thought there would no. be no romance in this movie whatsoever, but I was wrong. I didn't think it fit. I think they they needed to put it in there in a way just to show you gotta have it in there. Yeah, you just gotta. to show that there's a bond forming between these two that is well, that's kind of what I thought though. It'd be more just a bond, but not actually physical or Yeah. So but, it was well, that was kind of works it kind of works into the next movie too, though. It right? does. Yep. So well, it, the one thing I didn't understand after the chase scene was he's telling her, okay, we're never coming back to this car, so whatever you need, get it out of the car. I'll wipe the car down. But it, when the police find the car, the plates are on it. Like, they would know this is the car that was involved in the chase scene. Like, why would you have to wipe your prints out of it? They know who's in the car. They know, like, the people who are after them. Like the, do the Yeah, but do the regular police that know, though? I mean, if if the regular police are able to find the prints and they're going to be able to help out, I, I would think that it would add a layer of protection. I, yeah, I don't but know. you keep seeing, like, when that first assassin comes to kill them, like, he has on his in his possession, like, pictures of the two of them in the consulate, you know, the day before. Like, I mean, the, the real police throughout the show aren't their problem. It's right, exactly. You know, CIA coming after him. So to me, he would know these police aren't anything that I need to worry about. It's, you know, it's whoever's chasing me is, is bigger than that. So yeah. I always thought it was weird he would wipe down the room because it's like, well, they'll find the car. They know the car was in that chase and that's who they were after in the first place. Even the police would know that's, you know, anyway. Maybe he's just really neat. Yeah, that could be. That could be. He's a stickler. <laughs> right. So, all right. So then what? Um, so now we get to the uh, um, what was the African African dictator's name? Wambosi. Wambosi. Okay. So now we're going. He's at a morgue. 
right? This is well, where he's going. Am I missing something there? No, you're right. You're right. Yep. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. Juan Bosa go, goes to the go morgue to see the the body of the guy who supposedly was on the boat to kill him. And he's, he, he realized. It's supposed that, to be Matt Damon's character, Jason Bourne. Right. But the CIA, you know, Julia Stiles, Brad brought up earlier, she's a field agent in Paris. So I'm assuming she kind of had something to do with planting that body there. And, of course, Wombosi comes in to view the body, puts his hand in the body bag. Um, Daniel LaRusso was not in a body bag in this scene, so that's good. <laughs> uh, but basically feels the back of the corpse to see if there was bullet holes in it. And he says, no, this isn't the guy who tried to kill me. So he knows that there's something wrong here. And then, of course, we've got Clive Owen's character. Oh, he's in this? Yes, He's one of the assassins, Treadstone assassins, and he sets up outside of Wombosi's apartment and shoots him through a a window and kills him. And then going up a course, stairway, right? Or he's yeah, or down, or a down a stairway. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, so, yeah, he gets taken out. Perfect and then, shot. of course, uh, Conklin at, at Treadstone, he tells his boss that this was actually Jason Bourne who did it. And, you know, Basically says, well, he didn't kill him the first time, so now he killed him this time. So he's trying to blame stuff on Jason Bourne and paid him in a bad light so that they can use all their resources to take him out. Is Conklin, is that Chris Cooper? That's Chris Cooper. Yes. Okay. So I like Chris Cooper in a lot of movies. Yes. But I really thought he seemed like a poor man's Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive in this movie. It just, it (laughs) wasn't, you know, Tommy Lee Jones was amazing, got it for an Oscar. This just seemed like the kind of more of your typical over-the-top, yelling, crazy cop guy. Mm -hmm. My favorite line was, I want born in a body bag by sundown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what that one got me, too. That was a little mm -hmm. over-the-top. I just didn't, I don't know, didn't connect with him very well this time. No, and he is a phenomenal actor, but yeah, he's he's playing playing the heavy, for sure. So... Now we got Wombosi dead, and we know that uh, Clive Owen's character, um, he's the professor, is his code name in this movie, um, is on the is on the trail of um, Bourne at this point, and now in the same city as well. So um, kind of closing in on him in that way. So Bourne decides they need to get out of town, right? Yes. Because they find the police find a hotel that they stayed in, um, so they're he knows that they're getting close. So they got to get out of town, and they end up going to a a friend of Marie's that she hasn't seen in quite a while. But uh, well, they end up isn't an ex boyfriend. It was an ex. It's an yeah ex boyfriend, and of course this is where you know some of the good police work I guess of Treadstone comes comes in handy because they do a whole profile on Marie and figure out, you know, these are the places that they could, they could go to for history. Yeah. Yep. So I thought this was a really cool scene. Mm -hmm. This was a a really um, good dramatic part of the movie the whole time that they're at this ex-boyfriend's place. It was like really suspenseful. Um, So basically they go to this guy's place, which is kind of a nice looking 
you know, it'd be a great place to live out in the, yep. out in the mountains, uh, beautiful snowfall, everything nice little like lodge that's out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's not home at the time. And, um, so the two of them are able to just kind of go in and do what they need to do. And, um, was it, it was at some point he does arrive. The boyfriend yep. does arrive. The ex-boyfriend with, um, he's got two kids, right? Two, two, two little kids? girls. Yep. Yeah. Two little girls yep. and a dog. Right. Yep. And so he's like, Hey, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> and then, so she kind of explained it, explains it. And, um, he really doesn't have a whole lot of time to think about it. Cause it's like, this does not seem like a good idea to have these people here. Uh, but then, um, Jason Bourne, the expert assassin basically says, you guys need to get in the basement and hide. And so he believes them. And so he does. Right. And, um, um, it's a good thing because then, um, this assassin does start doing shit. Oh, no, how how did it happen? Because he well, knew the assassin so was out there, and he, he knew the a, assassin was out there because the dog was missing. Okay, so the, that's the dog went missing. The dog never goes missing. So the assumption is is the assassin, you know, either killed the dog. dog to you know, so it wasn't around. Just like so, Marky Mark and uh, Fear. There you go. So Bourne um, tells everybody to get in the basement. He's going to take care of this situation. I like how he just knows where the shotgun is hidden. You know, if you got a, a house with small children, shotgun's going to be up high somewhere. And he finds the guy's shotgun and um, takes off. He uh, has a distraction. He shoots like a propane tank or whatever, and that blows up to distract. Well, it, creates a, it creates a smoke screen. What was right. the key benefit there? Um, yep. So that the assassin, he knew that that was what, what was going to be required so that the sniper... Um, a sniper type Well, he's assuming there's a whole team out there after him. He doesn't know it's a single assassin. So he knows he's got to get out away from the house and into the woods. Um, He does this sweet thing, because all he's got is a shotgun. He does this cool move where he comes to a field and he just shoots in the air and all these quail flush, and they're flying around in the field, and based on where the quail won't land... He knows that that's where somebody is probably hiding out. So oh, is that why he did that? I thought yeah. he did it because the quail, then the birds created noise mm-hmm. and that allowed him because it allowed him to run through the woods quicker or sneak around a little bit better. But um, I didn't pick up on that, that that was. Yeah, he watches he watches the birds in flight to see where they avoid because they're oh. going to you know, they're going to go land. So he knows that if they avoid a certain spot, that there's got to be somebody there um waiting in ambush so that's you know he can kind of pinpoint maybe where they're at and then he can move into position to make his kill so now how that, did you pick up on that because it's like it's not like he's out there talking to himself going hey you know if i just shot shot a noise wherever the quail won't land that's where right. i know he's at well as as a, a hunter myself um, I have delved okay. into uh, hunting the most dangerous game in the past, and um, oh, maybe sure. I'm maybe I'm saying too much, but that's that's just one of the tricks of the trade, Pete, of uh, but, trying to figure out where man, you where your prey may be. Hunted man, that's right. So um, he basically gets the drop on the professor and shoots him, and that's one of the things he says. Where's everybody else at? Where are your other guys at? And this is where he comes to find that's out right. that. 
this guy is an assassin just like him. We always work alone. Um, the professor is familiar with Jason Bourne. They're in the same uh, program. They talk about the headaches that they both get. Um, and basically, um, the professor dies. And what is it? He takes something off. Of, oh, he takes a phone off of him. Mm -hmm. Right. He ends up with yeah. a cell phone. And that's how he's able to um, find Chris Cooper's character back in. I'm assuming it's Paris again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so that's that's when eventually they wind up back in this apartment, this dark apartment where Chris Cooper is. Um, and that kind of sets up this little showdown uh, and and conversation that they're having. Um, yes. Uh, where they kind of explain, explain away the plot of the movie, um, you know, more so that um, they're trying to figure out what this treadstone is or Bourne is still trying to figure out treadstone. And so he's asking him questions and um, and he's like you know damn well what treadstone is and who you are all this stuff and it's like well no i don't bullshit it's like well why don't you just stop and explain <laughs> to him the situation i woke up um in in a boat and i was pulled out of the water and i have amnesia right. maybe they could have gotten further with good conversation i don't know yeah <laughs> See, i didn't more... even know yeah. as we were watching this if if the whole not knowing who he was thing was from getting shot or if that was like a thing with all these guys that they like controlled them and did it to them. That was another question that just uh, didn't seem very clear. Well, I, if you, I, if you watch yeah. more of the series. Yeah. Again, um, you keep bringing up the rest of the series, you, but this is the first movie. I mean, yep. This well, is what I want to know. That's the, that's the hook to bring you back for the other movies is to continue to unravel well, for me it worked the exact opposite of this a hook. mystery around Jason Bourne because his actual identity is David. Oh, what the hell is it? I think he finds that out in the next movie. Spoiler alert. Um, ah, shoot. I can't remember the last name, but anyway, yeah. In the later movies, you find that he was recruited into this program and trained as you know a super assassin and all of this stuff but yeah that's that, that's a fair point brad is that he doesn't i mean even if he figures out if he can remember who jason board is that's still just one layer of the onion that needs to be peeled to figure out the yeah. whole conspiracy i never thought that the amnesia was um uh, inflicted on him though other than i thought it was just a part of the injuries sustained That's, what yeah. i don't get though is how getting shot in the back and floating in the water how does i usually i would associate it with amnesia to a head injury right but i don't think there maybe he did get hit in the head or something as he it didn't seem like they, the they ever dead. treated anything as like on the boat like it was all about the the uh, the two bullet holes in his back, you know, more yeah. than, than a head injury. But are we to the end here yet where he falls down the stairs and shoots a guy mid fall right between yeah, the eyes? It. A perfect shot. That was yeah. some move there. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think the whole falling five or six stories and breaking your fall with a dead body is really a way. No, that, oh, yeah, that, that's I don't right. think that the would dead work. body, too, was part of how he did that. That was right. See, to me, that works with a water landing because, you know, the, the body would break the water. Yeah, it's know, like a raft. It's like landing yeah. in a raft. Yeah, but here where you're falling on a on a tile floor, like, I don't think 
just happen to fall on some dead dude, you know, that you it's rode gonna down. It's going to fall a little bit, but it's not going <laughs> to, right. it's not going to like save, you're not, you're not just going to get up and walk away from that. You're going to have some kind of a broken bone or back injury or something. Well, maybe Correct. you should try it out, Pete, and see what happens. There you go. All right. Who's going to be the dead body? So, um, this leads to the big twist ending because of course, Bourne kills all these agents to get out of the building. And now we see the professor in a car outside and he's looking at a person <clears throat> walking down this dark alley. And you're assuming that it's Bourne and the professor is going to get the drop on him. And he gets out of the car with his gun silenced and it's Conklin who walks up to him and the, uh, Professor shoots him, gets back in his car, and was it? No, I'm sorry, not the professor. It was a different agent. Yeah. It's a completely different, yeah, completely yes. different agent who shoots Conklin, gets in his car, and drives away. And I think he sent a message saying that the, you know, mission was done. And now we see the deputy director Brian Cox back at CIA headquarters, um, in the Treadstone area, basically say, okay. This is done now. Um, you know, mm. let's wrap it all up, get rid of all the files of Treadstone. And, you know, basically brush it under the rug. So Conklin was basically killed by his own people because he was, you know, kind of running this thing haphazardly or everything went wrong for him. So, yeah, so Conklin's dead, Bourne's alive. Um, we see, so one thing we didn't say is after the farmhouse, Marie left with the ex-boyfriend and her and his kids. And so he was on his own going back to the city to go after Conklin. Just um, for safety. It's not, it's not like yep. she ran away with him to be with him or anything, right. but it's just like they both had to go somewhere. Safe. So, so he tracks her down to some seaside little um, shop where she rents uh, mopeds for, to tourists. And she's got the, uh, the red bag with flowers yes. in it hanging in her shop and he uh, shows up and I like the line where um, he asked if he can rent a moped and she asked him if he has any ID because that was the whole thing of the whole movie was who is he and of course mm -hmm. he had a ass load of IDs in the safe deposit box <laughs> you know so it was it was a nice way for the for the movie to wrap up it's cute. Yes. Back together. It, had a cute it had a cute little ending yeah for sure it didn't really necessarily, it, it was a nice ending. It didn't feel like it fit the rest of the movie, though. I mean, it was just sort yeah, of you like. You call the rest of the movie cute. No. <laughs> right, right. No. Except for her hair after he cut it so perfectly. But they that did have cute. sex, so they had to resolve this relationship yes. here. And... and she is in the second one, right? She starts off in yes. the second movie. Yeah. So they are together at the beginning of the second movie, so. But I, I like it. I think it's a very good movie. Um, I like Matt Damon. I like the action in it. The car chase scene is awesome. Um, so yeah. I think it's a good pick. It's a fun, exciting I, movie. I liked it, too. I like the premise of it a lot. Like what? Because I forgot what it was even about. So when I'm watching mm -hmm. it, I thought, this is this cool premise. It just seemed incomplete and too, too many questions and underdeveloped things. So I... For me, it was worth the rest a watch. Of the series. Gotta watch the rest of it. Well, I'm not going to. I <laughs> I felt it was worth a watch, but not repeated viewings. And I have no interest in the other movies after sure. watching it. Like I like that one by itself. It's fine, mm -hmm. but I don't. 
need anymore. Well, and, and what I did honest, like was that the way they ended the first one is it can stand by itself. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't feel the need <clears throat> to watch anything else. All these things you guys keep bringing up, none of those things made me like, oh, I got to watch the next one. I It was more just like, why isn't this one more clear? I don't know if they intended right away to make uh, to make more sequels. Until well, right, they, they probably you know, didn't. So they, they did wrap it up pretty well, like you said, Gifford. Well, and I think it's like a lot of a lot of movies where one will get greenlit and then based on how it does, because this movie had a $60 million budget and brought in 214, 214 million. So as soon as the studio sees that, they're going to be like, absolutely green light the next one. Like we got, we got a cash cow here. So, so let's go ahead and, and keep them coming. Cash cow. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they named the next movie, right? Cash cow. Uh, yeah. The born cash cow. The, the born, born cash, cash cow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. That, that I would is, watch. That is correct. Yeah, that one I'll watch again. <laughs> <laughs> I want to repeat, I did like the movie. It's mm-hmm. it's a fine movie. Okay. Yeah, I might go and watch, because I know HBO Go or whatever has, uh, or HBO Max has the born supremacy on it. Well, I don't think I it has. This. I think they're all on there, because I watched no, this. No, I don't think the ultimatum's on there. Born well, Supremacy's on there. Yeah, that's what I thought too. So I think I'll watch the next one uh, when I get a when I get some time. But definitely a good movie. Good good yes. pick, Pete. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah, good. I'm glad you all had fun as well. So based on the genre that we rarely um, that we rarely tackle, which is action movies, I asked um, I, I asked everyone on the on the show to come up with their list of top five action heroes um and then i said just before the recording that um you know we could lean towards franchises but it doesn't have to be it was too late i thought about it later but um um, mine are all franchises um so you can just take it however should i go first since i don't have all franchises you sure you can go first it's not a disqualifying factor though so i was thinking of action movies that i just really love and then characters that i love and it was pretty easy to make my list from that mm-hmm. uh, my first one is a franchise but it's the first movie that really does it anyway but john mcclain obviously die hard is number one mm-hmm. yes one of my all-time favorite movies die hard 2 is great too i also love die hard with a vengeance um yep. and i've seen the the newer one he did whatever 10 15 years ago a good that day was. to die hard or live free and or die hard that there's also one a good i thought there was yeah one there's like another one i hard. think i don't think i have seen the maybe the most recent, recent one. one sure but he's number one and he's just fun and cool and so easy yep. now my second one was not a franchise but one of the characters was so good they actually made a second movie without the action hero my other all-time favorite action movie is the fugitive and so i have oh. dr richard kimball at number two okay and speaking of tommy on. lee jones that's they made a movie with him after which i never even watched i don't even know if that's any good or what uh, no I, i've seen it and it's comically bad what is it again? what's the <laughs> name of it again why, why can't i think of what it is um, u.s marshals yes yes u.s, US marshals yeah. it's wesley, I just thought the name was wesley so dumb. what a yeah. dumb name for a movie it made me i'm not interested <laughs> 
Wesley Snipes is is the main character in that yes. one, and he is the fugitive character. And basically, ah. uh, it's sort of the same premise, only it's based on a plane crash. Snipes escapes oh, a plane yeah. crash, and they're chasing him that way. And it's yep. uh, it is it's one that you should watch for the comedic value um, <laughs> and how bad well, it. That's how I remember it. I saw it about. If 10 I was going to pick what I think are the two like most perfect action movies, it would be Die Hard and The Fugitive. And so that's my. There you go. And I love the character Richard Kimball. Harrison Ford is awesome. So good in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, and if you want to have um, franchises, you can throw Han Solo in there, I guess. Then, but that's sure. not who I'm talking about here. I have a different Harrison Ford franchise. Uh, I do as well. Probably Indiana Jones. I bet. Uh, number Actually, three, I, got I have I've, a I've got another one, Stephen. Okay. I have a franchise for number three, and that is Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible. Oh. Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Which, this is a franchise where I love the first movie. The second two, I don't really remember, like, thinking we're all that great or anything. But okay. the most recent three that they made, like, after some time passed, are some of the greatest action yes. movies I've ever seen. And it just took a whole new level there. And, God, I love those. He's great. Mm-hmm. And I realized I wrote a note down when um, Matt Damon was scaling the wall in that one scene. It reminded me of yep. Tom Cruise on the El or the in, in Dubai, the, whatever the yep. can't think of the oh, name of that yeah. building right now. Yeah, so, outside but, on the glass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yes, it is. Uh, number four. This is a standalone. Um, although there was different versions, and I don't, I don't think this actual character was really in another one. But I love the movie Desperado and ah. El Mariachi. Yes. Oh. Antonio yep. Banderas is one of the coolest action heroes mm-hmm. ever. That's a that's yes. a great one, Brad. Thank you. Yep. And then those are my easy four. The next one I could have gone different ways, but and this one's a little more like campy. But I love Nick Cage. I love Con Air, and I put Cameron Poe ah. number five. <laughs> nice. Put the bunny back in the box. Yep. That's outstanding. So I like that list. I could watch. Those are five movies I could watch any day. And actually, those are five movies I we could easily talk about on this show. And I would enjoy any one of them. Sure. Well, um, I'll go. I'll go next. Then, Pete, um, the only one on my list, I've got some uh, honorable mentions. I'm going to start with the only one on my list that's not part of a franchise. And that is Jane Smith. From Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Oh, okay. I love that character. I think it's so, oh, she's yeah. just awesome in it. Um, I will follow that up with another Angelina Jolie, and that's Laura Croft. Oh. Uh, a couple Laura Croft. Actually, there's been three Laura Croft movies, too, with Angelina Jolie. Um, I've got Frank Martin from The Transporter, played by, um, oh, for Pete's sake, now I can't think Jason of Jason Statham? Jason Statham, thank you. Um, we also got, I just picked this character from a franchise. I know he's done other ones, but Lee from Rush Hour, Jackie Chan is one of the greatest action people ever. So I'm just going to pick Lee. His I remember that at. being a fun movie. I saw it in a theater Yep. Um, up in Aiken, Minnesota. They have a, uh, because that's where my wife's family cabin uh was and we would go up there um a lot and we'd always watch the little it was like an old time theater mm-hmm. and i remember seeing that movie up there and i remember that being a really fun movie okay it is yeah um That's i'm sorry, gonna yeah. put 
I'm going to put uh, Natasha Romanoff from uh, the MCU, uh, played by Scarlett Johansson. She's a soup in superhero movies, but she has no superhero abilities. Um, so she's awesome. So I'll put her in there. I also have Jason Bourne, of course. Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Also Indiana Jones. Luke Skywalker. I got John McClane. Uh, the T-800, Schwarzenegger's character from the Terminator movies I have in there. Um, and also my last honorable mention is Neo from uh, the These Matrix movies. These are all movies. honorable mentions? These are honorable mentions. So wow. my my number five. I don't want is, to ever hear another word about my list. I had yes, five and I was done. I know. It's very good. My number five is Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible. Good choice. My number four is Beatrix Kiddo. From Kill Bill, Uma Thurman's character. Mm. My number three is John Wick. Uh, Keanu Reeves again. Uh, number two, Sylvester Stallone in Rambo. I don't know how much more of a body count you can ask for from an action guy. And my number one is James Bond. All right. So many, so many movies. So many great movies. A lot Is of campy a ones. Particular actor you would go to first, then. Uh, as far as the actual action, um, I would probably lean towards um, our latest one, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, because the action is just better in those movies. But uh, then I would probably go to Connery, and then Brosnan. Um. But like with the Roger Moore ones, those are super campy movies. So there's an there's a new James Bond actor. I think they just announced the other day. For oh, the did new, they finally the announce it? Yeah. Okay. If I, I if I read that. it correctly, I didn't get his name. It's a African American guy. So there's going to be mm -hmm. uh, some probably some controversy over that too. But no oh, big whoops. It's like the Little Mermaid. Okay. It's like the Little Mermaid. Right. Absolutely <laughs> stupid controversy. But but. Uh, <laughs> Jenny, I showed Jenny the uh, picture of him, and she said he is very good looking. We'll say yeah, that. <laughs> for sure. All right. Um, I think everybody, actually, I have only have one that has not been mentioned, and it's my number five. Uh, the one honorable mention that I had was Ethan Hunt. Okay. Um, Mission Impossible. My number five is Jack Ryan. Um, the clear and present. So there's another Harrison Ford character, um, mm -hmm. also played by Alec Ben Baldwin. Affleck. Alec Baldwin, yes, yep. uh, he was actually the first one. Hunt the for Hunt Red for October, Red October. Yep. yes, and um, Ben Affleck, and then also John Krasinski in the, oh, in the uh, Amazon Prime series, which yep. is really good. It is. Mm -hmm. So, um, highly recommend that. And way I more John action. Krasinski, way more action in the series for that character than there are in the movies. Yeah, you know, as far as like hand to hand and getting really like into action, action. You know, whereas the old the the original movies were more, you know, he's older. There's still great action in him, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But and sort series. of what transformed, I think it took John Krasinski to the next level. I mm -hmm. mean, he's a totally different guy than you think of in The Office when you think of John Krasinski. Yep. Um, but, uh, like, he's, you could tell he's been lifting weights. Because um, yeah. he's just, like, buff in, the, in these movies, or in these uh, uh, shows. Sure. Yep. Um, and, uh, and, and I thought, I think he's a phenomenal actor, as it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's, he's funny and he, he can be witty. 
Um, and he did a great job in that role too. So, um, did I already say Ethan? I, I already said Ethan yep. Hunt. Um, mm-hmm. I did have James Bond, uh, John McClane, Indiana Jones, and Jason Bourne rounds out my list. At, nice. You know, bottom to bottom to top there. So, there it is, folks. We successfully navigated our way through. This is the most action-packed episode that we've ever had. Yes. Yeah, I'm winded, honestly. Yes. No kidding. <laughs> now we just, you know, have to find that fancy hotel now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, um, should we give a little teaser for next week then? Sure. Go ahead. It's your show. It's your so next week. to round out our um, regular type shows for the month uh, for 2002, my pick is uh, Scrubs. Um, so that's the end of season one, beginning of season two, uh, for 2002. So we'll talk about a couple of episodes, uh, next week with Scrubs. Scrubs is going to be quite a pivot from Born Identity. A little bit. (laughs) Still some good action. There's some good, you know, sometimes some good action fantasy sequences in there, but nothing, nothing that can measure up to Jason Bourne. Right. Very good show. Yeah. Well done. So how about a little action-packed Preacher Row? I like it. There it is. All right. I say we go with it. Here we go. Let's do it. Bye. All right. Next week, everybody. We'll see you. Bye. Yeah.